and welcome to The Purple Chair. I'm Trisha, and today I have a special guest. Christy's not with me, but I have Kelly French with me. Kelly is the ex-wife of my husband, Keith Curtis, and we have recently made amends from a very, I would say, tumultuous... That's a very, very nice word. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Almost 17 years of trying to navigate co-parenting and just life in general, and we didn't do very well. So we have come together. We're definitely in the beginning stages, so we just have put things aside, and the purpose of this podcast is really to help people heal from things that right. may have been tripping them up. So um, may have been a hindrance, may have been blocking them, maybe, you know, what's keeping them from, you know, living life like they should. And so I think that we can use us as an example, maybe of how not to do things or what we kind of discovered about ourselves right. during the years that we were going through this and why things seem to bother us so much sure. or keep us from being able to come together, even for the kids who we both adore right. so much. And so maybe just give us some background about about, like how it all started like you know when when we first like met each other and kind of how it unfolded from the beginning from your perspective yeah I it's <laughs> funny that we're talking about that because I actually thought about that this morning and last night about the first time that yeah. I saw you and met you and you know I just know that I was young and I was in a place where I Keith and I were fresh off of our divorce Mm -hmm. being final and we were still really not in a great place in a better place right but we still were not in a great place and you know kylie and caleb were little little Little. guys yeah very little and um i remember and i don't know maybe i have a different memory than i'm sure than you do but i remember the very first time that i saw you Mm -hmm. you guys had brought the kids back Mm -hmm. after a weekend. And when Keith brought them up to the house, he said, or to the, I think I was living in an apartment and he said, I'm going to need the kids on such and such weekend. And I Mm -hmm. said, Oh, for what? And I remember him saying, I'm getting married. Mm. And I was like, to who? I didn't even know that there was anybody. And so I immediately took that as a threat. Yes. Yeah. To me as a mom. Right. Not to me as an ex-wife. Right. But to me as a mom. Because there was this woman coming in and I'm like, who? And I remember seeing you in the car and being immediately Just defensive upset. Yeah. and upset because yeah. I was like, there's no way I'm right. going to be okay with somebody being around my kids right. that I don't know. Or even if I did know you, I think right. it still would have been hard. Yeah. And, you know, like I went through that too with my ex-husband and when he was, I mean, well, he was in a relationship before we even separated. So it's a little <laughs> bit different there. But the more I was able to get past the hurt and really heal, the more I thought about him being another relationship made everything so final where we kind of, I guess maybe in my mind, there could have still been a chance before or maybe, you know, maybe God would do something incredible and restore our marriage. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there were things that I definitely had to work through there because with every like thing that made it more final, it was kind of like a gut punch to me. And I felt like I was like starting over the healing process every single time. And so I'm sure, you know, that you, I'm not saying that you felt the exact same way, but I'm I'm sure that that was like a gut punch that like, oh gosh, what does this mean? How does this change? We've had so much change. How does this change the dynamic of Mm -hmm. our relationship? Oh, yeah. It really did change things. And on one hand, um, I was excited because, 
you had these kids that my kids were going to have play like right. friends and right. siblings. And that was exciting. And I mm-hmm. remember them coming home, uh, specifically Kylie one time coming home and she had her hair fixed Mm-hmm. Like I would fix it. Yeah. And let's be real. When they would go before, <laughs> they did not come home <laughs> looking like they had had their hair fixed. So that part of it, I was really excited about. Yeah. But all the while, there was still just this. An insecurity. An ins- a very big insecurity. And I think that comes on coming off a divorce, too, because I think that no matter what the situation was that caused the divorce, Mm -hmm. there's still part of you that thinks, am I ever going to have that life that I thought I was going to have? Am I, is there something wrong with me? Was it me? Was it him? You know, what, was it both of us? It's hard to kind of dissect that in such a short amount of time that sometimes we just look past it and we don't heal it. And then we are dealing with those things even later on. And, you know, you guys were young. I was young when I got married. We had been married for 10 years, but it still was very hard for me to decipher what was real, what was okay, and what I couldn't live with. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so I would always kind of second guess myself. And I think like for you, you know, when we met, I really, you know, I think I told you from the beginning, I was perfectly fine just being Trisha to them. You know, I had been in foster homes growing up and they would want me to call them mom or dad. And I knew my mom and dad and I knew where I came from. So it was Mm -hmm. hard for me to adjust to that. And I really wanted you to feel comfortable knowing that that's not who I wanted to be. But I think that I've also lived through that too on the other on the other side with my children. And it's hard because having somebody come in when you still have some unhealed places, like when I would think about the other woman in their life, it was really hard because truly I had some unhealed places from my childhood. Yeah. And I felt insecurity not really from anything that they had made me feel. It was just my own insecurity. Sure. And so I would the same sometimes get very defensive or I would call their dad and say, hey, what is this or what does this mean? And of course, it was very different because their dad lived across the country. So we didn't have like a lot of interaction. But I remember feeling that way. And regardless of how it may have seemed, I never wanted you to feel that way. I never, I really never, and I wanted you to know that I cared for them. It was very important for everything to be super equal, down to dollar amounts, down to same clothes if we had to, because they were so close in age, all of them. And I just never wanted Kylie or Caleb to feel like that wasn't the same home that Tristan and Erica had. Right. If that makes sense. I think that my biggest insecurity stemmed a lot from insecurities as a kid. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest reason that it was hard to accept somebody else in their life is because that's just divorce. Right. It's you have unfinished emotional Mm -hmm. business. Yes. If that's the right word to say with somebody that you entered into a covenant with. Right. And when you leave and our divorce was ugly, Mm -hmm. it really was. And when you leave that there's a ripping apart. There's That's, a ripping yeah. apart. There's your your emotions are raw and you're hurt. And mm. even though, you know, I tell people this all the time, it doesn't matter if you think that you want divorce. If you think this mm-hmm. is the best thing, it's hard. Yeah, it does It's not hard matter. all these years later. Yes. And I mean, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, there's still, you know, obviously we're sitting here now yeah. talking because there's right. healing that needs yeah. to happen still. And I think that because of unfinished stuff, unresolved, unresolved feelings, 
of hurt or anger or frustration with with him or with other situations Mm -hmm. I think that that just made you coming into the situation even harder just added fuel and it wasn't you I don't want you to think I'm saying that because it wasn't you it was just so hard and I really truly mean it from the very get-go I was excited because they were getting somebody that I knew would care for them and we had this conversation all those years ago right so I just don't, I don't know how things got, well, I do know. I I don't want to say I don't know how things got so out of control and, but it's like, it's just like with anything else in your life that, that starts to spiral downhill before you realize that you're there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the enemy comes in not screaming, this person's terrible and you should look at me, I'm Satan and I'm going to do this. No, he's very quiet and very subtle about it. And all these, he knows where we are insecure. Yes. And he knows what things to push. And knowing that I, my number one job in my life was to be a good mom to Mm -hmm. them. And so, and I was so afraid I would never be. Right. And when, and that's where he started to attack. Right. And that's where he started to let me feel like you were the better one. Yeah. Right down to silly things like. Yeah. Yeah. Just the silly things, you know, go taking the kids to a concert when I couldn't afford it or whatever. Just it was it was like just such a slow over a 17 year process of all this stuff. You just compound and then it makes it into something so much bigger than really what it is. And I can definitely relate because I had the same feelings with my with my kids too and Mm -hmm. and their dads wives. So and I think it took, you know, getting really some healing that has still ongoing in myself and really just being committed to healing to really looking back and saying, why did that cause me to react that way what was that that just made me I mean even if I knew it wasn't true I mean there's things that people say all the time that sure. I know aren't true and I would still feel the need I don't in really any longer but I would feel the need to like defend myself and and I think because I was so during that time I was so committed just like you because when I went through my divorce my kids were all I had right we were like the three musketeers. Mm-hmm. We did everything together. I mean, I held on to them for life, basically. Sure. And so I can understand you were in the same situation. Yeah. And I guess that probably in that process, I just was not good. I have that on my list, like communicating, like I'm not a threat. I don't want them to feel torn like I was my whole life. <laughs> I don't want them to feel like right. they're having to choose at any time mm-hmm. that they really can love everybody. And it's okay because they have a bunch of people that love yeah. them too. But sometimes in our own insecurities, it hurts to have other people love them. Oh, it does. Right. And I think the thing that we both feared the most in, because you just said it, Right. Not wanting them to feel like they had to choose. Right. We both created that. Yeah. And they did feel like they had to choose. Right. And now that they're adults, it's it's sad. It's so yeah. sad that it went to that point. But I am overly thankful. Right. That, you know, we're at the place that we are now at the beginning of this healing. Sure. And, you know, I was thinking about this today and leading up to this, mm-hmm. this conversation that if this even just helps one person that's going through... Right. A divorce, or even if they're not going through a divorce, but if they're just going through a long feud and right. battle with somebody, with anybody, yeah, there is so much healing in right. forgiveness. And yes. like when you and I sat down a couple of weeks ago for lunch, we didn't hash out things that had happened and things yeah, that were said. Yeah, because it didn't really need to. There's be, no point. Yeah, it's just this is where I am as 
as a Christian, mm-hmm. as a, as somebody who wants nothing in my life that is not pleasing to God. Right. And this was an area that was not pleasing to yeah. God, even though I feel like the, the anger that I felt toward you was sure. gone a long time ago. Yeah. I still just kept shutting the door to this, even yeah. though I knew this is what we needed to yeah. do. Because ultimately so. it forces us to have to deal with it yeah. because otherwise we would never have been able to sit down and right. healing hurts regardless of what it, it is. It, it hurts before it feels better. But once you start feeling the weight of forgiveness and bitterness and, you know, all of that coming off of you, it's so much more, you know, I can't even put it into a word. It's just so much more rich than than just living a life and always feeling like you have these unresolved issues. And and again, you know, and I know you have and I have, we've had to deal with a lot of other places in our lives really to get there. I mean, you have to dig through some things before you can get here because you couldn't have even like for me, I couldn't have even fathomed how to do this. No. Had I not healed old Absolutely not. And it's just so important that we that we heal. It's important for us. It's important for our children. It's important for the grandchildren that are, you know, are to come. And so I would never want to go back to what it was. Oh, no. And it's crazy because when you think about how quick God Mm -hmm. fixes a situation, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, even though we're at the beginning of that, I don't feel like it's something that is a long drawn out, let's get past it. Because when we had lunch that day, it was immediate release. release. It Mm -hmm. really was. And, you know, I called Nick afterwards Mm -hmm. and I said, that was the most unawkward thing. And that's not even a word, (laughs) but I just couldn't think of another way to say it. I just felt like, right. Yeah. That's so great. From the second that you even walked in the door. Right. And we talked about it, how Mm -hmm. neither one of us were even nervous stressed about it. It just, I just knew that it was going to be a good thing. It was. Yeah. And so that's what I think is important for people to understand is that when God does it, mm-hmm. it wasn't something you and I forced right. that we were just, oh, we have to fix this because we've tried that before. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've tried to like be cordial and yes, we've tried yeah. it our way yeah. and it doesn't work. But right. when we allow God to fix something that never should have been this way, mm-hmm. but when we allow him to step in and say, this is what I want for both of you, we're both his children. Yes. And once we both said, okay, you just do God, whatever you feel like you need yeah. to do. And that's when it fixed. Mm-hmm. And it, that's a proof. We're sitting here right now because this is proof right. that when he fixes it, he really fixes yeah. it. Not just part of the way. Right. But, and not just so that we can tolerate being around right. each other. It's right. not like that. Right. I don't feel like it's like that right. at all. I right. feel like it's a, it's just a totally different thing. It know? really, it really is. And I, and I feel, I want you to talk a little bit about, and we don't have to go into, into specifics, but like just some of the things that you experienced with the kids watching, you know, seeing your kids having to go through this and I'll share some of, some of mine too, sure. but just maybe just share like how, cause you're a mother and I'm a mother and they are our world. And so that affects us deeply when they're hurting. And so let's talk a little bit about that because I think that we can really help some people understand that even if there is issues and you do have maybe a very good reason to be upset or be hurt, you're you're hurting because Mm -hmm. of some actions of other people, how we can turn that around. And I think that sometimes if we can talk about like what it felt like to see it, then we can 
triggers some things in other people that maybe they're like, oh, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. So without going into details about specific mm-hmm. situations, because I can, I can see several instances mm-hmm. that stand out over 17 mm-hmm. years of sure the stuff that were key things mm-hmm. that caused it or that, you know, were the worst yeah. of the worst. Mm-hmm. But I know I never wanted to be that parent that mm-hmm. said negative things mm-hmm. about their dad in front of them. And I can honestly sit here and say that I never said bad things about him Mm -hmm. in front of them. Mm -hmm. I never have. Right. I never one time have. Now, when the doors are closed in there in bed, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I would, I'm just going to be real. (laughs) Yeah. But they knew. Oh, they they knew. Right. And so looking back on that and watching like the instances where it would be you guys' Mm-hmm. weekend and you know Caleb as a seven eight year old little boy wouldn't want to leave mm-hmm. because I didn't I didn't say I, I mean yeah. it, when I knew it was y'all's weekend it was a your dad's coming you're gonna get to go here mm-hmm. you're gonna get to go there and I never wanted him to feel like I didn't want them to go mm-hmm. but it's still it's still poured out over them right. they could still see that they right. knew that it was hard for them to leave me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or for me on me for them to leave yes me. yes And it was, it Mm -hmm. was, I would just be dying until they got home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when tensions were at the highest when they were young and things were just really, really ugly between us all, it was even worse. And so watching them, I will never forget an instance when it was, it was a weekend and he came to pick him up and Caleb, I mean, he was, I don't know, seven, eight years old, I guess. And I remember Keith like taking him from me and Caleb is pulling on Mm -hmm. my clothes, Mm -hmm. not wanting to leave me. And so then that made me really angry. Right. Right. At him and at you, because, Mm -hmm. and I would say so many times, how could, um, she's a mom. How is she okay with this? Mm -hmm. And now of course I look back at it and I say, I, I don't know what I could have done. Right. Maybe, I I don't know, there's probably a million things I could have done differently. But that is so hard to, you know, to watch your kids, you know, feel what you are having going on in your life, even though you're not talking about it. Right, right. And then, you know, as they got older, there were times that I would kind of rumble and grumble about Mm -hmm. you or whatever, um, even though I... I think I, I had my saving grace in, oh, I've never said anything about their dad in front of yeah. them. So I'm not going to talk about their dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you were kind of fair game. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I hate to right. say that. Right. But it's true. I just allowed the anger. And it, it it's it's stupid because it wasn't ever you. Right. It was all this other stuff built right. up. But, man, it's and, just. And I think something you said was so interesting. And this is so true because you were saying about how how Keith had to take, you know, and he was Mm -hmm. gripping you. And you said, I was so angry, but we're angry at the situation that our kids even have to go. But sometimes that anger is projected differently. And yeah, I, I've totally done that too, where I was so angry and our, I would get the kids back and there was so much (laughs) stuff that had transpired that was just, it was drive it would drive me crazy you mm-hmm. know and i would just want to be so mad at him but really i was really mad at the whole situation sure. i was mad when they had to leave i was mad when you know they were having to leave their dad and then the whole slew of stuff that came with that 
I was just mad at the whole situation because it shouldn't be this way. Right. Right. It shouldn't be this way and it shouldn't be this hard. And seeing our kids hurt is... It's horrible. That's the worst thing. The absolute worst thing. And you're right. I I was mad at the whole situation. Mm -hmm. I was mad that they didn't have every baseball game and mm-hmm. and birthday party and holiday and everything with both of their parents. Right. Right. I hated that. Mm-hmm. It just it still bothers me. Right. And right. It it just it stinks that that was that was where it was. Right. And I you know you and Keith just became the easy people to mm-hmm. be mad at. Right. Even though I was mad at the situation. Right. I was really mad at myself because I'm the one that put us in that situation. Right. And I, I know that. Right. But it's just so easier to just kind of to, you know, yeah, blame it on. Deflect it on, yes. on things or, or certain situations yes. or certain inc- incidences. And it is. I mean, I mean, and it was the same same way with us, too, because, like, we would see you know, you get mad about something, then we would be mad at you being mad about something, yes. you know? And so it was just like this vicious cycle because the kids were in the middle and it was like, it wasn't stopping. Like it wasn't right. getting better at, at any point. And so it just made me have to reflect, like, even like recently with Caleb's graduation, like I, that was huge because I was like, I don't know how this is going to look, but right. I'm going to extend this because I just wanted it to end if that makes yeah. sense like I just wanted it to and stop. we're in a really unique situation anyway because right. a lot we have a lot of family in common yes yes and that's that's where and I know a lot of people that are in the same situation mm-hmm. but that's where it becomes really really hard mm-hmm. because on my side of it it was we're gonna have this graduation party for mm-hmm. Caleb mm-hmm. and we're gonna do it separate uh, for obvious reasons but then when I would go to have mine, everybody I was inviting had already came to one. Right. Yeah. And so then I'm like, this, I've got to beat them to the punch. I, what am I going to do? How am I going to get the, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it just became it really such ca- yeah. a, like. Almost like a unspoken war. war. It was yeah. a total war. Yeah. It was a complete war. <laughs> and it's so crazy to look back on that. And it, the solution would have been so easy. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Yeah. Here we are. And again, like I said, we think that. Because we feel a little bit better about a situation and we can go day to day and kind of live normalcy, we feel like that's healing or that we've forgiven or that we right past it. And it's so not it's so not true. And it's not. God has <laughs> it's been really not. God has been so relentless in making sure that he brings something back up sure. so that he can say, Did you really? Are you and it's sure? funny because I remember Several years ago, it might have been, I don't know, probably four or five years ago, I got a letter from you in the mail. Oh, yeah. Let's <clears> talk <throat> about this. Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> I got this letter in the mail, and this was, I should say that um, four and a half years ago, I the Lord totally wrecked my life. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, Nick and I talk about this all the time, that that's when I feel like that's when I got saved. Right. I grew up yes. as a religious person. Yes. But that's when I had a relationship with God four yes. and a half years ago. And it's never been the same since. Um, my life's never been the same. Totally set free from addiction. And mm-hmm. my life just, I mean, I could go on for hours right. about that. But it was around that time that I got a letter mm-hmm. from you in the mail. And I read it and immediately thought, 
this is self-serving. <laughs> she wants to just feel good about herself, and I'm not going to give her the satisfaction. <laughs> I can't wait to tell you the other side of that story. And I, and I was so... I mean, I probably read it two or three times. And I remember when Nick came home from work that day, I was like, look what I got in the mail. <laughs> and he said, oh, that's interesting. Because he was at a place where he's always been so much, you know, yeah. so much more spiritually mature than me. Keith and I'm like, to, yeah. you know, he said, are you going to write her back? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I was not at the place. You weren't there. Yeah, I wasn't. Because, I mean, I had literally just been set free from bondage mm-hmm. from all this stuff mm-hmm. and my child had up and gave up college and moved mm-hmm. off six hours away to right. this little hole in the wall town right. to go to ministry school <laughs> and and side note I was angry with you guys about that yeah. too because I really thought that that was <laughs> the absolute wrong that was decision. y'all's plan <laughs> yeah. well because she told me when she came home from a weekend at your house and then mm-hmm. I was like this is all his fault <laughs> but um yeah it's it's funny because you know, like that, that goes back to us saying we tried to fix it right. so many times. Right. So many times. But what's interesting about that letter, because I didn't want to write that letter. <laughs> I did not want to write that letter. And it was so crazy because before we started the church here, we were like just going through a battle, you know, ministry wise. We were just going through a battle and it had been such a tough season. And Keith was actually in Alabama to fix Kylie's car mm-hmm. one weekend and I was cleaning, I was vacuuming, and I heard the voice of God say, I needed to do two things. And I completely ignored it. I was just like, yeah. kept vacuuming. He's like, I need you to do two things. I was like, okay. Still kind of just being, having the third time, he said it again. I was like, what? Like, really? What, what do mm-hmm. you need me to do? And you're going to laugh. He told me to do two things. The first one was to give up candy. Because I love candy so much. I'm like, right. that's just stupid. Like, yeah. I mean, how does that serve you? Right. You know? Right. What is this? And the second one was to write you an apology letter. I was like, what? Like, what do I even write? And I remember, like, sitting down with the notebook and being like, looking at the blank paper. I'm just like. Well, you said that in the letter. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. Yeah. And then I just <laughs> started, funny. like, feeling like I apologize for every time. I think, like, every time I had made you feel like. Mm-hmm. You weren't yes. their mom or any time that I made you feel like less important or right. things like that. And so that was that was all I could give at that point. I was just like, this is all <laughs> I can do. And I sincerely do mean this. And it was so crazy, Kelly, because I didn't know at the time that God needed my obedience for this. Wow. Thank you for joining us this week. If you're having any trouble with forgiveness or if you have any questions, please make sure you inbox us. And as always, we just appreciate our listeners and thank you for tuning into The Purple Chair. My name is Keith Curtis. I am the producer of The Purple Chair podcast. Because this podcast was so long, we cut it into two sections as our season finale. So tune in next week for the remainder of this podcast. Fix it, Jesus. Thank you.